Welcome to the DriveAble podcast, where we discuss all things about driving and safer community transport for people with disabilities and medical conditions. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you go back and listen to episode 10. In that episode, we met Matt and wow, what an interesting guy. Um, What an amazing story of how a young male faced with huge adversity is overcoming and helping others. And then in episode 11, we unpack the technical side of the vehicle modifications in more detail and talked about the modifications that he was using to drive. So if you haven't had a chance yet, make sure you go back to listen to both episode 10 and 11. Plenty of gold in those ones. Ellie. G'day everyone, uh, welcome along. This is episode 12. And in this episode, we have another special guest being Deidre or D Ellum. Um, I'm very excited myself to have a chat with Dee um, because um, she's actually a mother or family carer for the person with a disability Um, and I've spoken to her a little bit offline and I really want to highlight these people in particular um, and the work they do and I also know Dee and I think she's one amazing mum. So and and the thing is is I really want to I'm really excited about this because Often the carers and the family members are kind of like the forgotten people in this. NDIS is all about, you know, the, the person and the OT um, and and basically the family members, as we've heard in so many of our stories, are a very, very key integral part of this process. In fact, one of the key parts of it, um, yet there's not really that much out for them. So, um, so yeah, it's, it'll be great to hear the story and, and help share some of that stuff with, with everybody else out there. So, um, so yeah, let's watch it, hear what she has to have. Yeah, I can't wait for this one either. This one's uh, this one's the first time we've spoken to a carer, so let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. Driving is something many take for granted, but when someone has an altered ability, then driving or getting out and about in your own car can be challenging. The Drive Able podcast unpacks the world of driving with a disability so you can experience the freedom that you desire. I'm Brad, and with me is Ali. And together we have over 30 years of experience in driving and disability. Enough with the intros. Let's get into it. Okay. In this episode, we are talking with Dee. Thank you for joining us today. Let's kick off by first introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about your story, um, your family dynamic, uh, who lives with you and who's the one that's disabled. Okay. My name's Dee. I'm a carer for my... 47-year-old daughter, Leanne. Uh, Leanne has the disability. She has multiple disabilities. It's not just one. Um, She obtained it during an operation when she was nine months old. She lost some oxygen during it, um, but we were never informed. So it was a very long, uh, and still is, ride of no proper diagnosis. Just every day, we, we do find there's a different part of her life that becomes disabled so um, we make the most of everything and um, I have two other children I have a younger uh, middle daughter um, who's now given me a grandchild which is a lot of congratulations and then the other one is a 14 nearly 15 year old foster child Um, I do that I've had about 30 odd children in our house Um, it's something that I just enjoy Um, and she's yeah she's oh dear 
Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll bypass her. Okay. Um, but that's our dynamics. Um, we're very busy. Um, we, we need to travel. We need to go. Leanne is a very, very now before NDIS, before the car, we had no support. We had no funding. It was me, me and more me. Um, we've had the, the NDIS since 2017. Um, and it's changed and, your world, has it? In um, a way? Absolutely. Um, it's taken us this long to get the amount of funding that we needed. In the first 12 months, we had the hardest fight, I think, um, trying, knowing that what I wanted with Leanne, with I've seen this system um, in around about 2008, 2009. I didn't know what it was called. It was at, at an expo at Rose Hill. I saw it poking out of the car, coming out. And I thought, oh, my God, this would be amazing. Leanne had been dropped so many times from slide boards and it, it was just, she just didn't want to go out. She didn't want to go out without me. There was no independence. And when I saw this, I thought, oh, my God. But I kept walking because I thought, no, there's no way. There's no way I could afford it. There was well, let, just nothing. Let, so, let's talk about that because we know what you're talking about. But for yes. the people that are listening in on the podcast, they've got no visual. They're not really sure probably what you're talking about. Let's yeah. talk about that thing that blew your mind where you yes. walked past at the expo. Let's well, unpack it. What is it that you walked past and went, we're never going to be able to afford this. Let's, let's go back to that day and explain what you actually saw. Well, it was just this car seat that came, turned around and came out of the passenger seat in the car. But that stage, it didn't have a base. It just came out and you transferred from that chair into your own wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So and it's a turnout seat. So the, so the actual front passenger seat turns out of the front door opening yes. and comes halfway out type of thing, yes. doesn't it? Yes, yes. And then it, or it comes to where your own wheelchair would align with it and then you would slide across. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing. So I locked it in the memory thing when NDIS and I knew NDIS was arriving about 2017. So in 2016, I went looking for it. I went searching. Internet, wherever. I had no idea what the name of it was. I didn't know anything about it. So I found it on YouTube. I think it was in England. They had, or American. It was just this old man taking his wife out of the car. But it had a base this time. It actually had a wheelchair. So the passenger seat became the wheelchair so there was no more transfers there was nothing once Leanne was in or the person was in this wheelchair it just lifted them up into the car and you just disconnected it and took the base around to the boot and hoisted it up so I found it and so then I had to find uh, an engineering company that could do it I found mobility engineering and I'm in. And from then on, we just kept going back down there, having discussions, allowing Leanne to see it. <laughs> that was if Leanne could, or in her head, that's what she would do. And I remember on the way home after the first trip, I was, I was too scared to say anything about it. And she turned around and said, that's pretty good. And I'm going, 
what's pretty good? She said, that chair. And I went, oh, okay, would you like something like that? She goes, yeah, okay. So then we had a year. We literally had a year to get things happening, um, getting all the evidence that I thought we needed. Um, physios, not, not so much the OTs because we didn't have funding at that stage, but I had specialists, I had doctors. So we had um, like Leanne's disability properly, almost diagnosed. Um, her anxiety was leased on there, why we needed to have this system as in physically and mentally. Um, so, so then we went and I happened to run into our local federal MP. And this is a major part of this story. Mm -hmm. um, and I told her about the expectations I had for the NDIS, how I believe it was going to change not only Leanne's life, but our whole family dynamic. We would, Leanne would become more independent. She would be able to do things more without me. I'm an aging parent. That's the only thing that scares me the most is what's going to happen to Leanne if I'm not here. So we had this great discussion. So she turned and asked if she could follow, follow us in our journey with the NDIS, make sure everything was okay. How did we um, navigate it? What, what did we need to do? How much evidence? So, so she came along with the ride and truly it was, a, we're so lucky that we did that because it was a horror ride. It was mm. the worst ride ever. We had people denying us that were sitting in a room, didn't understand the fact that this was not only cost-effective, but it was so simple. It was the most simplest you weren't you, you weren't sitting in the third row in the back locked in oh we need to unpack this can i can i press a pause on your story and actually delve into that bit a little bit for us yeah where as an occupational therapist um we've i've i've been involved in this battle for a participant as well and uh just the other week we we finally had it installed um where we've got the turnout seat which turns into the wheelchair. So the actual driver or the, the passenger seat inside the car slides onto the wheelchair base. So there's no transfer actually yeah. involved. Yeah. So that's, that's the product that we're talking about. Um, the battles that we've had to go through for this product um, compared to being a wheelchair accessible van mm -hmm. uh, where the NDIS are saying to the participant, no, we believe you need a wheelchair accessible van because mm. of the transfers and it's more cost effective for you that way. Um, and the risks associated with, um, they, they pull out risks from uh, files and so forth, which they have to do. They have to make sure that it's value for money, but um, the value for money elements in regards to oh, uh, function, is, is something that really needs to be highlighted. From your point of view, in regards to function, what do you see the functional benefits of having a turnout seat that goes to a wheelchair compared to a wheelchair accessible van? Well, I do believe it was cost, more cost-effective. We, we did the price comparisons. And by the time you got the hydraulic lift, the cutout of the van, uh, the seat, all those kind of things, it mm -hmm. would have cost if not two or three times, it's more than what this did. And not only that, it would have had to be a new wheelchair. A, seat, a car seat isn't going to get old. You have your car seat for probably 20 years. So that's what this is. It's her car seat. So the only thing that 
will have to be redone is the power base of it, the, the scooter base. And so that's that's only every three to five years. And NDIS has already got that in there. They know that that's going to happen. And it is cost effective. We had to argue that comparison, that cost effectiveness of it till they finally got it. But not only that, it's the personal thing. This is Leanne's car. Mm. So we bought the car for her. Um, Did you have it first before the NDIS funding? Ah, well. Hmm. Uh-huh. I thought this question might come. It might. Uh, yeah, but well, we did have a car. Mm-hmm. We had a station wagon. But we knew, knowing that we did our research, went down there, what kind of car? I asked the um, engineers, what's the smallest car that we could? I didn't want the big van with the hydraulic lift up the back that we blocked Leanne in, in the third row at the back. She does have epilepsy. She does have um, aspiration. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we needed her up front so that we could give her a drink or we could calm her or we could do or anything like that. And she didn't want to jog along in the back row somewhere that she couldn't put a window down or couldn't turn the music up or, and it was going to be her car. So the, the boys went out and they went looking and they gave me a list. Um, and, and we, we chose a Nissan X-Trail because at that stage, it was exactly what we needed. It was compact. I've never driven anything more than a station wagon, so an SUV scared me anyway, but I picked it up, drove it, and it was great. We could, the, the program we would give Leanne, she could fit in it perfectly. We tweaked the program to suit Lee, and that's the best part of, of the Corona Turning Evo as well. And that's the full name of this mm-hmm. system. Um, you can actually program it to how you can move about in the car itself. Um, Leanne, because it is a small and Leanne's quite tall, she can't turn as, as we would turn. So we have to turn her sideways, put that in, and then she'll turn around after we're, we're in. So we have a system. But the Caroni can make that program or it can make a five-point turn program. So it goes in, out, in, out, in, in, until you finally get out. So it's up to the person who Perfect. has the disability and what their disability mm-hmm. is. So then, um, so off we went and we had a look at, at cars. I didn't think I could afford. Um, and this is where all these, all these life stories come in, all these people came into our lives right at that moment. Um, I was talking to a, an old mate of mine and, and I said, we have to buy a new car. How am I going to do it? I've already talked to one of the car companies and they said, look, we'll, we'll sort you out as far as a loan. We'll give you lowest interest as, as much. We, we'll help you as much as we can. And I was telling this, this, um, this friend of mine how wonderful that was. And she said, oh, I'm with the um, Lions Club. How about if I ask them, maybe they'll give you the deposit. And I went, oh, my goodness, that would be the best thing. Well, long story short, they bought the car. Oh, wow. wow. So it was $31,000. They paid for it. Done. Unbelievable. So, but they they bought it before we even got the okay from the NDIS that Mm -hmm. we could hit this system. So there was a bit then... Can I, can I just we just just uh, touch on a point there for people listening? Um, NDIS will only fund 
modifications to a vehicle of a specific age or yep. kilometers. Yes. So the guidelines at the moment, at the time of this recording, is that the vehicle needs to be less than five years of age or less than 80,000 80, kilometers. Yeah. yeah, it's changed to 80,000 kilometers yeah. now. So yeah. uh, because of the bit of the backlash that people couldn't afford the yeah. cars that were inside yeah. their guidelines. And I yeah. really appreciate the NDIS from my point of view uh, for doing that. Um, just to let you know, though, there is there is a grey area as well. If your cars don't meet that, then you can um, have a local government in or not government. Um, where I'm in South Australia, so it's the RAA uh, in New South Wales. It's RAA, the NRMA, uh, NRMA, uh, and and local um, uh, states have their own authorities for this. You can have an inspection an independent inspection of your vehicle, um, show your registration papers, show your kilometres, show that it's a roadworthy vehicle, then the car's going to last for, we'll try to prove that the car's going to last for at least five to eight years. Um, yeah. show there's, so they can show that there's going to be that value for money. Um, don't need to supply those um, assessments of the vehicle if it's less than five years or less than 80,000. So I just wanted to point that out for people listening. Vehicles need to be of a specific age and um, quality for NDIS to give the tick of approval or to help them give the tick of approval for modifications to a vehicle. And if they don't, it doesn't mean that you don't, you can't try to get funding for that car. It just yeah. may not get approved. I just need to clear that up for everybody. I'll, I'll interject a little bit on top of that as well. Um, you can, you can also, um, because we've done it a, a fair bit, depending on the modification. Um, and I wanted to actually just cover this little topic as well on this point with this, um, like the swivel seat option as well. So with, with something like this tourney seat, you can, um, you can unbolt it and rebolt it to another car. So we've had customers in the past that have given, I guess, um, uh, assurance to the NDIS that look um, when when it, when this car is gone and we're going to get a new one we will pay for the rebolting and unbolting it's maybe only a couple of grand but we'll cover that cost um, and and then I guess the other thing to tie into that in terms of this value for money point is um, in in our experience those swivel seats like that like that particular um, we, we try not to kind of talk too much about the brands but that particular brand there I know it's life cycle um is on average 20 years and people keep their cars for in australia on average for 10 years mm. so, so that seat um it's got 20 years of life in it you know mm. easily and and they last for like they've been around in europe for 30 years and they're, they're still some of them 30 years old still going so mm. so it's it's designed as a product that kind of stays with you for life you know yeah. and you take it with you from car to car and yeah. Um, and that's a real benefit of it as compared to, let's say, cutting a car, because yeah. once you cut the car, um, that's it. Like the car and 10 years later, you've got to throw it in the bin, yeah. literally the, in the bin. Like you can't yeah. really. The resale value is terrible. No. Of, of well, we, we've got all the original stuff um, as well, like the original car seat and everything. And well, now, because I've got added family and Leanne's disability is um, deteriorating a little bit more. So we now need two support workers. So we have to go bigger car. So yeah. people, so, so people listening into this episode, make sure you tune into the next episode, episode twelve, where Ali and I will dig deeper into the nuts and bolts of this system and and how it works with NDIS. I wanted to touch on it in this episode. Ali's touched on it as well, but we will really dig deep into this area uh, when we 
tune in for the next episode where we will yeah. we'll get into the real nitty gritty. So sorry, D. We just wanted to yeah. point that out now. So let's let's get back to your story. Well, um, with the with the NDIS, you need evidence. There's no yeah. doubt about it. They are evidence. Oh, uh, and Obsessed. and the, the yeah. oh, and the first AT guy, he knocked it back. He denied there was no way we were going to have it. He didn't believe in it. He didn't think it was the right thing. He was sat in the office, had no idea what I was talking about. So he didn't even have a, a, a decent objection over it, you know. So we went out and got further evidence and and he lost his job and so did his director because I ended up get, bringing in my MP mm. and she ended up representing us in parliament. We ended up going to the commissioner about it. It was all he said, she said. He didn't like the idea that I knew probably more than him. He was the assistive technology. I was just a carer. So, um, but I'd done my research. I knew and I know my daughter. So it's evidence. So we end up going to a second expo. We end up going um, to, uh, and, we, and we literally tried every single thing, handheld, slider board, everything. And, we, and she wrote it down. The OT wrote it down. And we had probably 13, 14 page second report. We gave it to them. You know, they wanted evidence. Here's our evidence. But like I said, unfortunately, the um, Lion Club had already bought the car. So in his spiel, he was saying that we wanted this system to match the car rather than us. So it was just a fallacy. He didn't even read the report. His idea was also that... um, uh, Leanne didn't need a powered wheelchair because everywhere, and that was including shopping centres and um, recreational centres, should adhere to a disability. Not the fact that she goes to football or she goes to the car races or she goes travelling or she goes up hills and down mountains. We didn't need a powered wheelchair. He didn't think she she should only go to two places. So so he was he was very very, and this is what people will come up against these people who don't know what you're talking about so you just need evidence it's evidence and evidence and more evidence you need impact statements what it would mean what the difference between having it and not having it how the independence will come along leanne now is getting ready to go out with two support workers she'll go up to newcastle today whereas 10 years ago she would not leave the house that's what this system has made the difference that's, so that's you, amazing and yeah, that's yeah, that's massive yeah that's huge now you were so just- we've been you know we've been we've been to victoria that traveling we go you know dubbo we just did dubbo zoo and but it's not just traveling in the car but it's a wheelchair as well it's such a simple thing and it's such a great power it's like a scooter with a with a control so, so you you've got the power wheelchair base you've got the we've power got the wheelchair. Powered. yeah so yeah. um yeah. For people tuning into this, you may want to go and watch the uh, YouTube video of this as well, because in Ali's background, there's actually a, a picture of this system and, and we might touch on it, uh, have a better picture of it in the next um, episode yeah. that we have. But you can actually slide the chair onto a power wheelchair and yeah. then the power wheelchair offers so much independence yeah so you can either have uh, you're controlling the person with a disability or it's attendant control which is at the back which is just another little um bracket that sits on there and you turn it on and away you go and that's what you've got um yeah that's what we have Mm -hmm. um there was a few things that we did think about when we ordered leanne's wheelchair she's actually left-handed but Mm -hmm. the power 
controls are on the right. Yep. So we didn't think about that one, but not that she would probably control it anyway, but, you know. But the best part of it is, even if with an attendant, um, you can switch it over to the front mm -hmm. and you can walk beside them and just still control it. So you're not always behind them pushing. You're, yeah. you're walking along a nice Light wide walking hand in hand. Or, yeah. Absolutely. You know, so there's all these things. It raises up and down. So if you're at football and you want to see above the crowd, you can see above the crowd. It can be manual as well, but we chose the powered mm -hmm. um, mainly because of my age. I was getting older. It was getting harder to push her. Um, and it costs exactly the same or almost same amount as a normal powered wheelchair. Mm. It yep. very not very much difference between costing and the costing of the modification was only minimal at that stage too. So all up, it was under their amount of funding that they would do without having to go to anywhere else. And that's why mm -hmm. we got it passed because it mm -hmm. was basically one shop. We didn't have to go and get it somewhere else. It was all done at the mobility in, at the engineers mm -hmm. and, um, they did it all in four or five days. Once it came into Australia, it was done. With the uh, with the system also, I think um, they are definitely similar in price to cutting the car. So from a price point of view, it's um, value for money. It's yeah, it's they're great value for money for what you get um, from what I've seen anyway. Um, yeah, and I and I think we were probably one of the first ones to do like a family car as well. So yeah. it was it was. Um, easy it was always on the road you know like was and it was you know like even um petrol and things like that it was just and it was just a normal car it was all dignified it was all instead of lugging him out the back and all the rest it was just mm -hmm. so dignified she she was she's the queen she kind of like comes out of there she ways to everybody you know she thinks and the amount of people that have that have actually caught up with us in shopping centers or in um the football where they have elderly people and they go oh my god this is amazing where'd you get it from so you know i'm a walking we are a walking advertisement for it's it's amazing how um just sitting in the front compared to sitting up the back in the boot makes such a difference yep. um and and that's that's the real big thing that um i guess a lot of people this is where i mean to unpack a couple of the little things you said I wonder if there's a bit of difficulty around the fact that there's no formal diagnosis maybe, and does that make it harder for you to justify things? Um, well, we, we did get enough that, well, prior, prior to all that in 2008, we were, we, we found out that she did this operation did cause her injury. So, um, and it was just true due to a great neurologist who, um, yeah, came out with where did she get the brain injury and I went so that so that came out and that's when because she started with epilepsy yeah. so it and but so we did have a diagnosis we did sort of kind of say well look she does she has an acquired brain injury so so we could we could just go on that and because of, of that we never know uh, what it's going to change in her life so we knew the future as well that we we she's only going to get worse she's not going to get any better so we needed something that would grow with her no matter what so we weren't going to be changing systems or we weren't going to be changing wheelchair we weren't going to be changing um things to suit her all the way down the track we've met this with this um system you actually can put in in the chair itself you can put in um 
cushions and and things where they need supports more around the the back you can put in um on the underneath the seat so you can have it softer or if they're staying at a long time you can change the the um what they're sitting on Mm -hmm. so there's there's so much more still in this so-called car seat and it will last for 20 years and we can just keep changing those things you know you know what's interesting the you you mentioned something before about how um i'm the ndis was kind of not paying you a full attention because you're just a carer but you sound like a bloody expert (laughs) (laughs) i totally agree (laughs) and the thing is is that um What's interesting is in my experience, the mums and dads and the carers yeah. are the bloody experts. Yeah. They They're are. the ones having to sort through all the crap and find everything yeah. out. And they yeah. know everything about everything. And, um, yeah. and and that's why I wanted to, I guess, talk to you. And I knew that would be the case. It's And, yeah. and we see it all the time. I guess it's, yeah. it's really cool listening to it. Um, and um, Can I just say something there? I would listen to the carers more. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I totally agree. As the occupational therapist, mm. I have to advocate on behalf mm. of the client and their mm. carer in mm. your in your case uh, ud and in and it's hard to portray the message with the same with the same information and with the same emotion and the same yeah. the same elements that you can do um, because well, you've lived you live it every day and absolutely. we meet you for a couple of hours and try yep. to determine whether it's going to be appropriate or not appropriate yep. or not Um, and make a judgment call based on a few hours worth of work. And it's it's sometimes... I'm a a bit of a research person too. I'm not going to give something. And and um, and I suppose I'm a little bit more... I don't take things from easily. Like I I don't like being gifted. And that's probably why I do foster care Mm -hmm. because um, I want to give thanks back Mm -hmm. to whatever comes that way. And... I think it was, I, I, I did so much research on this because I didn't want to waste the money. I didn't want to get something and then find that Leanne hated it or that it just still didn't do what we wanted to do. It's like anything else we buy. If we buy a, a dishwasher, you want to make sure that it, it does what, it want, what you want it to do. Uh, otherwise it's just a waste of money so this was not going to be a waste of money so I went in there and I knew I went to car expos I I, we kept going down to um the engineer we kept trying it we kept letting Leanne look at it we kept getting in her head and uh, we just we took the OT down there and she was just blown away she'd never seen anything like it either she hadn't seen it before either yeah that's what I was about to ask you were you educating the OT Yes, and that's why sometimes I go to the expos with this mm-hmm. engineers because I am that carer because we can tell them how much it did take. The OT came with us the first time and she also um, explained how much evidence we actually had to do and how unfair. They even, yeah, it was it was tough. They even thought that she was more my friend than an OT at one stage that she was doing it and and she was doing it because we bought the car first. So she was making up the stories. So that's why we got rid of um, the planner. <laughs> he wasn't the right person to, and unfortunately come up against me. So a lot of this stuff went to I'm the glad he came up well. against you, Dee. Yeah, well, we went to the commissioner with her as well because a lot of it was over the phone. They never even met me in. The stories mm. that they made up about her, that she stayed in bed all day and watched TV. She didn't even have a TV in a room. They had no idea. 
And the funding was minimal. It was funding was only enough for six hours a week. She's, she's 24 seven. That's what we started off with. Now we're up to over a quarter of a million dollars. Mm. Plus we've got all our equipment, you know, mm-hmm. and that, but it did take me 12 months and it wasn't just the attorney. It was an electric bed. It was a shower chair. Even they just refused everything, mm. everything. So, so we just went to the commissioner, changed a lot of things, um, made sure it was never no more phone conversations. It had to be face to face. And once we got that face to face, it was done within 24 hours. Nine months later, it took 24 hours once they saw her. Yeah. So, it's, um, well, I, I actually want to thank you on behalf of uh, a lot of the participants now because I think things are easier because of um, the trailblazing uh, stubbornness of people like you. Um, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, that's the unfortunate thing is, is a lot of people would have given up and, um, yeah. you know, just thought, oh, well, not possible and gone back to their same old lives. Um, right. But the intention, the intention of the baseline intention of NDIS is what you're doing with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and what you see, the results of that um, is it's well worth the money, you know. Well, I always, always, whatever conversation I had with the NDIA, it was that um, you've even forgotten your own mantra. It was about your choice, your voice, your control. This is what my daughter wants. This is her choice. She has control. So she's now got a voice. Now you just give us the money. And that's what you have to do. You have to always look up their policies, make sure you... Um, parallel with their policies if they've got it written there then you go in there and you go well hang on this is where it's written this is your evidence as well so you you keep going back to what they have their guidelines and you follow their guidelines but it is your control still you can use that guideline where you need to use it so always never give up always there's always somebody that will help you and I'm I'm a big believer in your local MP especially opposition, because they're always fighting. Um, we ended up becoming very good friends with Bill Shorten over this mm-hmm. because it was just not one review. In nine months, we had eight reviews to get the right amount. So that is not fair. So I handed him some um, all the paperwork and said, here, read this. This is what's happening. This is why NDIS is going broke, not because of the people the participants it's because of the the um the paperwork the time wasting everything else and it's got to be stopped it's got to be stopped no more reviews mm. so we've just had our last review and so now they're um mm, so um they yeah they've changed me again back to ndia yeah. so they look after us because it's like i no, I don't think any local area coordinator wants us. They <laughs> <laughs> okay. don't want to be dealing with you know, you know the go. So uh, that's good. Though. It's great to hear. Like that, it echoes a lot of the stories that we've spoken to with a lot of people um, in these interviews. That you know, the families um, uh, working together is the key components. The, the key theme is really work together, don't give up. And and what you said is something that comes out in a lot of the interviews. People tend to get on the phone um, and then you'll have some person on the other end who's just a bureaucrat or, or a paper pusher and they tell you something that's actually not based on regulation. Yeah. They just 
pull it out of their backside. And then yeah. you think that because that person's in a position of authority, you think they're, they're telling you the truth and they're, and so you, it'll, you need to go sometimes do your own research, check the own guidelines and put that back in their face and then they'll, they'll accept it. Um, but you do, it's, it's a whole new framework and you, you got to understand there's thousands of people working in that organisation. So, and, it, and it's not only them. We did come across a problem that Leanne owned her original car. And when we bought the new one, uh, the RMS in New South Wales decided that uh, in their wisdom and in their policies that a person with a cognitive disability can now not own their own car. <laughs> and I went, what? Hang on, we've been paying you all this time. She's owned her car. So what's so different from yesterday to today? So we went to the anti-discrimination board and had a fabulous pro bono solicitor who said, no, you can't do that. You know, and I, and I told this guy and I said, well, that'd be like, because you can't open up a drawer with a key, you can't own a house or you can't own a TV because you can't work the control. And I said, what if you owned a Ferrari and I hit you across the head because you're so stupid and I caused a brain injury? Would you still like to own that Ferrari? And he goes, oh, that's stupid. And I said, well, you won't be working here as a manager in 24 hours. And he wasn't. But if I didn't keep fighting it, my daughter would not own her car because yeah. you just think that's what, because she couldn't sign. So I just went, well, I'll sign for her. We have safeguards. People will. And their, their policy was because um, if it was a blind person or something, they wouldn't or she wouldn't be able to see if a support driver went through a red light. She wouldn't be able to say who drove it. And I'm going, we have logbooks. We know who's driven that car. We have safeguards. So it was just silly, silly excuses. So make sure whoever is listening, people with disabilities can own their own car. It is cheaper. It, they get the free budget. NDIS will pay the difference between the insurances, between a normal insurance and the turn uh, and the um, system. So they will they will pay the difference with that. They will also give you um, an allowance every fortnight around about $70 for petrol as such. And um, it's less Ks. You're paying 82 cents a K if you're using a support workers. So half your funding is going in Ks. So if you own your car, you, you'll go further, you'll go wherever you want to go. And again, you've got control. You don't have to just go down the street because that's all that you can afford with the Ks. It makes the community more independent and stronger as well. Absolutely. That's, that's where we needed participation, the community participation, because that's what Leanne was. She volunteers at, at her football um, where we go to play football. We volunteer at the cricket where we go and play or watch the cricket. So we have all this community participation as well. And we could not, there's no way in the world could we travel from the central coast of Sydney in a support, in, in somebody else's car. We, it would just not be enough funding. So by owning our own car, all we have to do is put petrol in the tank and she can go wherever she wants to go. Can I, can I just touch on a couple of points that you just made then for the people that are that are listening? You, were, you, you touched on it really quickly, but I don't think many people know this. <clears throat> you were saying that there's a petrol allowance? Yep, yep. There's, through a tra NDIS? there's transport allowance. It's called transport. a transport yep. allowance. So um, there's different levels. There is uh, one level when it's just commun community participation. Mm -hmm. There's a second level when you may be looking for work and there is a third level, very high level, if you have to be remote or if, um, if you are working and you need to travel um, in taxis or things like that. So there, there are three levels of transport funding that you can get. 
Yep, and you needed that written into your plan uh, following Absolutely. after the car was yes. after the car was uh, yes. modified. Yeah, the one and, that you... and prior to that, it used to be a mobility allowance. I think when mm -hmm. before NDIS came in, so they said that we would never lose anything that we had. Mm -hmm. That we anybody who had a mobility allowance had to have it, so it just went straight in automatically. In okay. now, it's different. You actually have to have it put into your plan. Mm -hmm. So, so make sure the people listening to this that you consider that when uh, when you're having modifications done to a vehicle uh, as a passenger, make sure that uh, allowances are put in there in regards to transport costs. And we, in this plan, I've made sure that we have X amount because we knew how much in a year now what we need for to keep it um, looked after, like say new tires, mm -hmm. um, new bits and pieces. Um, so we've had that written in now that uh, there's X amount of money in there that if we need any new parts, anything else, then we can just go to that funding. And how we did that is because if Leanne didn't have a disability, therefore we wouldn't need it. So because we associated it with the disability, we have now got funding put mm -hmm. aside for that as well. Did your ROT have to help out with that or did you fight that battle with NDIS yourself? Well... Mm, bit of both. Okay. I just said, well, hang on. I did actually just bring it up because they didn't know. They didn't even know that there was a difference between insurances and things so that they would pay the difference. Mm -hmm. um, so I just sort of kind of said, well, if Leanne didn't have a disability, we wouldn't be needing any of this. So it is associated with her disability. And so it's like a special fork or a spoon. If, if, if you, it's it, none of this, it's all an extension of her disability. It's, it's all extension of her going out in the community. So that's, we just opened, and I, and I was open to having a rejection, but they didn't. They just realised that, yep, that is necessary. It's an associated cost yeah. to do with the disability. And I, I think that's really important. And it's something that is easily forgotten um, in regards to, here's the modification. Does it work? Does it not work? Yep. The associated ongoing costs, costs to do with that modification yep. to a vehicle needs to be considered in the long run too. And yep. insurance yep. is one of those big things. But you've got to remember, it's not to the vehicle itself. It's mm -hmm. got nothing to do with the car insurance or anything. It's what's in that car. So it's, mm -hmm. it's the insurance, the extra insurance is for the modifications. So if there's an accident, it can be taken out, all those kind of things, as well as the chair. We've also the chair, if the support worker runs into a child, something, it's all insured as well. We wouldn't have to do that if Leanne wasn't, didn't have a disability. Mm -hmm. So it's all about just not not your normal everyday costs of car insurance and things, but the extra bits. That's what the NDIS will pay for. And and do you use a standard insurance company, one of the well-known no, ones? I use Blue Badge. Yeah. So for people that don't know, there is a company uh, out there. Um, hopefully, it's okay to to spruik them. There's no there's no associated costs with this at all. There's no, no. plugging them for no. for endorsements or anything else no. here. This is uh, Blue Badge Insurance is a designed for people with disabilities they they and and we found that um, we were had to name our support workers every one of them and we can use up to 10 a week and i had to have their names on for them to be covered blue badge as long as they're working they're a support worker they're in the car they're driving or as a passenger they're covered straight away anybody who take as long as leanne is in that car then they are covered straight away 
That sounds really good. I mean, I think we have to uh, slowly but surely start wrapping it up. Um, yeah. The one thing we could I go will... on talking for hours, do you? Yeah, yeah. It's with, without a good OT, honestly, you you you're you're lost as a carer. Uh, I needed the language that only professionals can use when yeah. you're doing reports. So don't try your impact statement from a carer or a participant is major. But if, if you don't understand the NDIS language, you're lost it straight away. So you still do need those professionals. You do need your allied health, your, your um, um, specialists, your GPs. They just know the language. Uh, so it's a, that, it's, a that's, it's, a, it's a partnership. You know, it's, that, that's one of the things I was just about to say. It's the, the themes of a lot of what you're saying is... Um, is it's all about community partnership and all participation all together. Yeah. Um, and it just seems like most of the, if you want to break it down on a higher level, most of the issues you've got or have had is just trying to get people to participate within yeah. this whole process and bring in their part yeah. um, and work cohesively. And that's that's the the challenging part. But once we get there, um, it's it's amazing. And, and I guess also, Often what happens is the, particularly with NDIS, the discussion becomes around how much money it's, and everything's all about money. Yes, but, but the thing is, is, you know, I mean, knowing the story of, um, of you guys, and, and as you said beforehand, you were just basically, she was just sitting at home every day. And now, you know, she's volunteering, footy games, yeah. all of this stuff. You're talking about chalk and cheese in terms of community participation. Absolutely. And, and whatever money that you mentioned, um, it's it's worth it because even when you to be honest a lot of people don't realize it but even if you break it down to a financial thing um one person participating within a community is worth more than whatever hundreds of thousands of dollars you said um per year yeah. uh, they that it's when you break it down to the money um they're still bringing in much more than that into their community just by being participating absolutely in we have two support workers every day we travel they go for coffees they go shopping which employees it's it's NDIS plays, pays for itself if only they just allowed just to, to I know people um, can rot the system, but there are safeguards. That's just silly. There's silly talk. That's silly. There is so many safeguards. You cannot pass go without somebody knowing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So, and the, um, just before, while I remember, the other point is this system was great for us. It may not be great for everybody. But I know my engineers have got a workroom. You can go down there. You can check out what's available. There are so many different systems. There is so many different things. There is so many. Don't just think, oh, this won't work. So I'm going to try or oh, I won't do anything. There is every single thing that there's, there is so many solutions. We need you to, to... do our sign-off tagline, D. <laughs> our no, sign-off but... tagline is make sure you get out there and try stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, don't wait for your expos. They've got, go find your local engineers. They know they have the best people. That, yeah. You know, and they can, they can talk you through it, you know. So that's all I, you know, and I know my engineers were brilliant. They, they still put up with my phone calls every now and then going, hi, I'm back, you know. Oh, and we will be again because I need another car. I need a bigger car. So we have to go bigger now. Oh, well that, that's something we didn't even touch on is yeah. the other use of the vehicle is that the vehicle is <laughs> used for your bigger family. And unfortunately, we've run out of time, but we yeah. still, it still needs to be part of the consideration. Who else is using that vehicle? Yep. It's, 
It's um, your, your daughter's vehicle. It's owned by her. It's mainly there for her, but there's more than her in the family. Yeah. And yeah. there's yourself, there's support workers, there's foster children in your case as well. Um, yeah. There's there's so many other factors that need to be considered as well uh, in this. And that's why, you know, rear seats, I'm assuming, are really important in, in that vehicle. Well, you've got to be careful too, because that, a lot of this equipment takes up room. So you have to, and what that's what something we didn't think about was because we travel, we've lost, um, say, luggage space because there's a hoist and the and the base is in the boot. So, and then the passenger seat, the, 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 the system itself is bigger. So you've almost lost half a passenger seat behind in the second row. So, and so we're now, and because it was only her and me, I didn't have support workers. I didn't have anything. I thought, yep, this will great. We can do this. Then I've got a support workers and then we've got another child. And then, so it just keeps growing. So now we have to go. I, I want to finish it off with one more question. How much space would you have lost if it was a wheelchair accessible van? Ah, well, we wouldn't have had two seats, I think, and no boot at all. Mm, that's it. So, so where, it, how much luggage could you have taken? Well, we, we, we just, you just don't, you no. just can't, you know, um, cutting it, getting in with, at least we can still fit in four people. Plus mm -hmm. we can stack luggage. We have it at our feet and we still travel. We went, you know, like we had 10 days in Victoria, we've been to Dubbo Zoo, we've been to Queensland and back again. We've, and it's just, we go to, and part of Leanne's goals is to go to every away game of the football club that she follows. Mm -hmm. So we've got three to go and that's um, two are local. So one's in Wollongong, Campbelltown, but the other one is in Townsville. So that's our next road trip. Ooh, that's so, a challenge. Should be good. That's a month. <laughs> you might so, need a trailer um, so for that one. For your I'll be keen to um, get you back after you get the new car, and then yes. um, and then yeah, yeah, see how that all went as well. Yeah, so, and yeah. Unpack that journey. So yeah. Um, yeah, I guess let's wrap it up. And, yeah, uh, we we we, we finish off every interview, D, with one final question, and that final question is, and I think you've touched on this already, mm. but cars are more than getting from A to B. And you've spoken about how much the vehicle is used for, for the sport and that kind of stuff. But is there anything else that you'd like to add in regards to how the car's used to help meet your, the personal needs uh, of you and your, and your family? Gee, you know, like we don't do anything silly in it or we don't do anything that's not unusual in it, mm. but it takes Leanne to a whole new world. It yep. takes her to where <laughs> um, she wants to go. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, it is a life-changing um, thing, and and I think this is where NDIS does not see the end result as well. If only they saw, not just the beginning, not just the fights and the arguments, but the greatness that it does. The NDIS is the best thing that has ever happened to our lives and I and to many people's lives but it's just such a hard fight but for Leanne this is an absolute life changer you know she can go wherever she chooses she wakes up in the morning she now chooses her roster for the week where she wants to go what she wants to do she wants to visit every zoo in Australia so far we've done about 10 so um so it's when her goals it's something it's her dreams we're, we're finally she's finally living her dream yeah. so yeah 
that's actually, what have you have you been to the one in Canberra the zoo in Canberra yes yes yeah I just went there two weeks ago with my family that is such an awesome zoo yeah and they are great too because they give carers and the person with a disability free entry yeah 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 <laughs> it's um it's a great zoo it's uh yeah I just yeah we've done Canberra we just did Dubbo we stayed at Dubbo Zoo so that was with the animals so that was pretty oh, yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, that so was that was excellent probably wouldn't have been able to do that in the past so no yeah, we we great. didn't go anywhere you yeah. know, we, we, we struggled to get to New Zealand one year. We went there for a month and hired a car, but that was prior to all this. And that was just, and I think that's the, the last time we've done overseas because you can't do that anymore. So now it is, it's basically hit the road and off we go. So, yeah. so yeah. I, I think that's a wonderful note we, to wrap it up on. Um, thank you very much for sharing. I, th I think we could just keep on talking for another hour <laughs> or so, but we do, we do need to think about our listeners and, yep. and wind it up there. Um, a massive thank you to you, Dee, and, Dee and, and, and sharing, um, sharing, sharing the story of how it's affected you, but also mm. how, how it's opened up the world for Leanne. Mm. Um, I, I really appreciate you coming on and it's okay for your, your own story but yeah. also for ndis as well yeah uh, i've too many takeaways for me in this one yeah. ellie we, we've got a whole we've got a whole episode that we we're going to talk about the takeaways i've got a whole uh, point of it. but, uh, but one i was writing thing, down notes um, left right and center i love i love the fact that we're speaking to you leanne as a carer because i think that um the carers and the family members more people can listen to you um because they need that confidence you know they get shot down so much yeah um and because the parts of the scheme, no part of the scheme is designed for you. You know what I mean? Like you're kind of this outsider, um, but you're fighting with all of your heart and passion for the people that you love. And, and, um, and I love hearing it. And, and I want, that's why I wanted to share the story because I want um, other people to get that confidence because that's where uh, the fight comes. You know, it comes from that community being around you and your family being around you. And mm -hmm. if they've got that confidence to fight against these people and, you know, the NDIS for the right thing that they truly believe in, um that's that's all that matters you know so, so thanks it, very much yeah. and that's that's a big big um thank you to uh you know for, for for that you know no that's fine that's my you know that's our that's carrots that's what parents do and yeah. it's no different whether they have a disability or not it's what care what parents do and i think um, we just we do have to stick together so if there's any questions come out of this and you need further in yeah. information please don't hesitate to well, get in touch or D, if is there a way that they could do that? Is there sure, an email that they could send? Yeah, um, Ali can go by some of your details. Yep, we'll yep. put it in the show notes yep. for people. Yep. Okay with yep. you? Yeah, absolutely. And anything at all, any information, even if they want me to come along or help them do an impact statement or whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm at it because yeah, we all need to stick together on this. D, you're, you're awesome, D. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. No so uh, look, Dee, uh, we should actually throw to you to do this sign off because you've, you've nailed it in your comments earlier on. But as we say, in every episode, if you have any queries about what you can do or what will work for you, get in contact with your local OT or mobility dealer or engineer, as you've said, and set yourself up with a trial. Trials really are uh, really do put you in the driver's seat yep. and um, we'll see you in the next episode. D, thank you so much. Thanks guys. Thanks very much D. Okay. No worries. See ya. 
Thanks for listening to the Drive Able podcast with Brad Williams and Aliak Barium. If you like what you've heard, make sure you like, rate, and subscribe. It really does make a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story about driving with a disability, or you would like to get in contact, find the show notes, or find the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find us on Facebook. Just search at Drive Able Podcast for more information.